Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, podcast peeps. Yo. Welcome to Thursday. You've made it. Yep. Almost a new year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yep. To just, do this. Just Happy New Year. We talked about that last episode. Christmas is over. It's in the past. What about the 12 days of Christmas? I don't subscribe to that. Okay. Well. I subscribe to one. I <laughs> I want to celebrate Jesus' arrival for more than one day. Okay. Jesus Juke. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you probably listen to We Wish You a Merry Christmas every day all year long, don't I do. You? I do. I celebrate that. And the resurrection every okay. day. You heard it here first, folks. He <laughs> listens to it every single every day. day. So I recite it. I, you guys, loyal podcast peeps out there, text him and say, hey, did you listen to it yet this day? Or if not. I, if you guys, here's what you should do. You want to bless oh, Pastor Rod? No, here we Ready? go. No, Ready? No, you they should, don't. You should go and find the most horrific rendition of We Wish You a Merry Christmas that you possibly can. And text it to me and Pastor PJ. Just to Pastor Rod. Text us both. We want to hear it together. Just to Pastor Rod. Share the joy. I don't need to hear it. I'm, I'm after December Whoever 25th, sends us the call worst. <laughs> Whoever sends the worst one, I'll make it Pastor PJ's ringtone. Yikes. So that anytime he calls, I'll listen to it. Yeah. Ringtones. Dude, I, do you use ringtones? Like music ringtones anymore? Um, I can't. I don't get phone calls. I always have it on mute, so I don't even right. know what the song is. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's true. That's a good point. I don't think my phone actually rings. It, it just yeah. buzzes. It that vibrates. used to be the coolest. Yeah. It was like, yeah, you had there a cool was a text ringtone. tone store. Yeah, you wanted people to call you and text you so that you could show off your cool ringtone. Yeah. And everybody, like, you could make your own, and yeah. Yeah. Those Apparently, the, the ringtone store is still on the App Store. Somebody pointed that out on social media the other wow. day. Wow. And they were like, but who uses this still? And you could make your own for pretty cheap. Right. And easily. Right. I remember when Amanda and I were dating, she had like her own ringtone. What was hers? I don't even remember. Come on. I don't remember. Do. I don't remember. That it was something all I buttery don't remember. romantic. Yeah. When a man loves a woman. That, how'd you know? Because <laughs> it looks like you. It just feels what? like What? Michael Bolton? That one in Pina Colada. <laughs> oh man, that was it. Pina Colada. <laughs> that Pina Colada song. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Or that, do you remember that? I'm blue. In doubt, nobody oh, knew yeah, what the yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, I'm blue, da ba dee da yeah. die. Yeah, I used to have that song rolling all the time. Yep. yep, dude, that old house music that that used to get me. I used to really enjoy that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was a there was a good era of music. I feel like I I, I don't even know a, a single song on the the top charts right anymore. now. You know what? I, I I used to like keeping track of that. You know, being in youth ministry and all, right? But it's just so graphic and explicit that I, I can't. Right. Like it's just uh, everything's got an e next to it. Right. And I can't listen to it with my kids in the car, so right. I typically just don't. Well, I don't even, feel like I'm missing anything. Even the stuff that doesn't have an e next to it is still e in some regards today. It's like yeah. Yeah. our society's become some so dumbed down to what is explicit that you can't even trust that. That's true. Yeah. And some of the material today is just, I mean, to say awful would be putting it very mildly. Right. And it's unfor- It's e- even creeping. Country music used to be like a safe bastion where people just got drunk and, and got divorced. Like that was the only thing in country music. <laughs> Not that that's great, but now it's it's just as bad as you know listening to the the normal mainline stuff. Yeah, there's stuff in those songs, man. Yeah, for sure. And because music is so powerful, such a powerful medium to indoctrinate. Yep. And to spread a message, got to be very careful with that stuff. Yep, it sticks in your mind. It does. Yeah, and for it, sure. It's like that earworm. You know, it stays there forever. Yep. 
even and you don't realize it until you hear it again and then it's like it activates again yeah it's like oh I, where did that what <laughs> it's like if you if i could shake out all of the useless music out of my brain Dude. and fill those crevices with scripture or something else more useful <laughs> yeah right terabytes of information up there right like the 1877 cars for kids yeah that one yeah cal worthington back in california cal worthington yeah go see cal yeah dalworth clean out here dallas fort worth dalworth dalworth yeah okay the next best thing to do is dalworth clean yeah oh, wow yeah that's so. why you got to do scripture memory songs for yep. that very reason that's the, that's the reason why that's seeds, why i want to seeds family worship Yep. Seeds family, yeah, the risers, they used to put music out back in the day. Yep. Not so much anymore, but they had good stuff. Even, I appreciate what Shane and Shane have been doing recently with the Psalms. They've been trying to take a lot of the Psalms and, and yeah. put those to, to just modern sounding music, which is good. Are they doing it word for word or are they kind of taking some liberties? Some is word for word. Some is more thematic. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, open up to Zechariah chapter 7, 8, and 9 let's today. Put this in our brain. And then uh, Revelation 19 which comes after 18. If you were listening yesterday and you were like, where's Revelation 19? I don't know. It comes after 18. Oh, man. Yep, there you go. You're welcome. Seminaries. Hey, Zechariah chapter 7. This is what good degrees get you today. Yeah. Opens up in the year 518. Specifically, if we take the dating, December 7th of 518 BC. Uh, and so that's kind of cool because it's right around this time of year. That's right. Um, that this has taken place. Uh, but 518 BC. So I don't know how many years ago that is. That's a long number of years ago from where we're at today, but uh, there used to be a tradition that the people would fast and mourn for the destruction of the temple. Now, at this point in time in Israel's history, this was that was almost 70 years in the rear view. And so the people are coming and asking the question, should we continue to do this? And the word of the Lord comes to the prophet there in verse eight saying, this is what the Lord desires. He wants you them to, and this sounds like uh, with uh, uh, Micah when it says, what does the Lord desire of you? And he answers, but to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Well, here it's, it's a similar concept, though it's a little bit different. Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Verse nine, do not oppress the widow, the, f- the fatherless, the sojourner, the poor. So it's the same concepts here. And so he's, in other words, saying it's, it's really not a get about the, uh, the, the, the act of mourning the destruction of the temple. It's about what what, what, what do you want to do now? What does God want from you now? And the other thing he wants for them is to avoid uh, repeating the past. I know yesterday or the a couple days ago, Pastor Rod, you said history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. That's the first time I'd heard that. I, I think that's a helpful uh, concept there. But here he's saying, don't, don't walk in the ways of your fathers. And in this line in verse 12, they made their hearts diamond hard. Yes, did it. Yeah. Lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts sent by his spirit through the former prophets. So man, chapter seven is like, it's it, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not about should we fast or not. The question is about remember what happened to lead it to that and avoid repeating those same things. Similar to people when they go to church today, it's like, oh man, I'm trusting. I go to church. I, I, what is what else does God want from me? I'm doing the postures. I am performing the duties that a Christian does. But as God so often does, he, He's letting us know He doesn't want our posture. He doesn't want right. our activities. He wants our heart. And when the heart is right with him, then the activities that correspond and follow, those are pleasing in his sight. It's the same thing when you become a Christian. When you repent and put your trust in, in Jesus, he, before that, he doesn't want your, your deeds. All your deeds are filthy rags, as Isaiah would say. It's only after you become a Christian where the works that you perform become pleasing. They are made perfect in Christ. And therefore, when you serve the Lord from a heart that loves him, man, those works are something that are good in God's sight. They're a delight to him. But apart from that, they are abominable. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter eight. Um, I, I don't know that there's anything overly profound in this that we haven't read. 
prior to this is the word of God, Pastor PJ. It is the word of God. No, I'm not saying it's not, it's not helpful. It's not good. It's not right. But again, we're focused on the coming millennial kingdom. And we know that how, because verse three, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Okay. The only time that that's going to happen between now and the millennial kingdom is the millennial kingdom. It's, it's, that's the only time that God is going to dwell there and be present there uh, in this sense of ruling and reigning. Uh, Verse uh, seven and eight, we get a picture that we'll see come to full fruition in Revelation 21 even. I think this even looks past the millennial kingdom, even even to the, uh, the new creation. When he says, they will be my people and I will be their God. We're going to read about this uh, three days from now, two days from now, uh, where that is the declaration from God in Revelation 21. After the new heavens, the new earth are made. I will be with them as their God. They will be my people. That, that will be realized in Revelation 21 in its full finality and, and fulfillment. So this is forward looking. Uh, you get the vine imagery again in verse 12, but in a positive light, the vine shall give fruit. Think about how many times we've talked about Israel compared to the vine and being barren and not producing the fruit that the Lord is looking for. But in the millennial kingdom, it will be fruitful again. So uh, chapter eight is really all about that forward-looking view of the millennial kingdom. It's kind of cool that we're reading this in in, in conjunction with Revelation because so much of this overlaps. And I think unless you're aware that that's happening, you would just read it and be like, oh, okay, so God's going to do things and this is, he's going to do good things to Jerusalem. And, but really you're, you're looking at a very compatible book to Revelation. So don't miss that as you read, having a good study Bible would probably point that out to you. Yep. So having the podcast, fantastic, but a good study Bible will also, will also point out some of these, um, these connections that you would otherwise probably miss. Yep. Yep. Yeah. ESV study Bible, super helpful there. Um, we've mentioned a, a few of them. Faith Life study Bible is good. Even the net Bible is uh, is a good resource. New English translation, their notes can be super helpful. Also, I've, I've kind of rediscovered recently just the Bible knowledge commentary. I know we've mentioned it a couple times, but want to sh- throw that one out again. Um, just a, a great resource in so many ways. It's it's simple. It's not overly in-depth. It's not meant to be a super technical commentary, so it's not going to be talking to you about all the different languages and stuff, and, and that may be right where you're at, but it's going to give you a good understanding, by and large, most of the time, of what's happening in the passage. And if you get the Bible knowledge commentary, for example, on Lagos, that's going to have every book that you're going to look up in in the, the, the commentary will be in that one-volume commentary there. Beware of the sticker shock. This is a, it's a big book. That's it actually is. two volumes. Yeah. And, and, in a physical copy. So if you're going to get it, it is a whole Bible commentary. And man, I, I really enjoy it. I use it yeah. regularly. It's one of my favorite go-tos. Yeah. I, I appreciate it because in some of our different shades of nuance as a church, they're more in, in keeping with us than, for example, the ESV study Bible is. Totally. Yeah. These uh, guys are old Dallas guys, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yep. They are. So they're going to be, what that means is they're going to be dispensational. And we'll talk about that quite a bit in Zechariah here as we wrap up the book in a, a couple of days. Um, it, meaning primarily they, they believe in a future for Israel. That's the, the only thing, but that's a massive thing. And that has huge impl- implication for how we interpret so many portions of scripture. And so the, the Bible knowledge commentary is going to be helpful for you in that regard. Agreed. Hey, chapter nine, then uh, the, the attention is shifting to judgment, judgment on the enemies of Israel uh, there in the first part of, uh, of the, the, uh, the chapter, Damascus, Hamath, Tyre, Sidon, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, Ashdod, Philistia. Again, uh, we've read about these things before that, that God is going to bring judgment, that the nations don't just get off. They don't just get away, uh, but, but justice will be done. Um, verse nine down through verse 10, the, these two verses are interesting because I think we see both advents here. Uh, 
this verse nine is one that uh, is often quoted around the time of Easter because of the triumphal entry. This is the fulfillment here, uh, or the, the triumphal entry rather is the fulfillment of this verse where he talks about your king coming to you, having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the full of a donkey. Okay, that's fulfilled by Jesus. Matthew 21 talks about that. John 12 talks about that at the first advent. In other words, the first coming of Jesus. But then if you look down, he's talking about this same one who will cut off the chariot. The battle bow shall be cut off. Verse 10, he shall speak peace to the nations and his rule shall be from sea to sea. That's not the first advent. That's the second advent. So we might miss that just reading these two verses because there doesn't seem to be a break there, but really there is. There's the separation. Verse nine, first coming of Christ. Verse 10, second coming of Christ. Yeah, these are the mountain peaks. We've talked about this before. When you're looking at prophecy, sometimes you see multiple mountain peaks and they look like they're right next to each other. Uh, I see this a lot in California where you're looking at a mountain range and it's like, oh, like these look like they're right on top of one another. But if you look to it, uh, look at it from the side, you notice there's a steep chasm, a valley. And that valley here is just the valley of time. Looks like though in verse 13 that he's, Zechariah is looking forward a couple hundred years into the time of Alexander the Great. At least that's a lot of what you're going to read in your study Bibles. This is Alexander the Great, especially verse 13, where it says, against your sons, O Greece. Um, And that's who he's talking. I will stir up my sons or your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. So God's going to use Greece as a form of judgment. And then eventually he's going to secure and save Israel from that same judgment. Um, in the 160s or give or take in the Maccabean revolution. So just an FYI, there's some, there's some history here that this points forward to future history as pastor PG likes to say um, that you can't quite see in the text unless you have a good study Bible to help you out with that. So here's another advertisement. Get a good study Bible. Yep. And that's similar to Habakkuk, right? That was Habakkuk's whole thing. He's like, how can you use Babylon? Right. Similar. Somebody might say, well, how can you use Greece? But yet God's going to use Greece, but then punish Greece. Right. And, uh, Similar themes there. Hey, verse 16 and 17, uh, on that day in the future, the Lord will save them, uh, the flock of his people, the jewels of a crown. They shall shine on his land. Verse 17, his goodness, how great is beauty. Uh, Grain shall make the young man flourish and new wine, the young women. Those are, anytime you see grain and wine, I want your mind to go to blessings. When the grain and wine are taken, taken away in the Old Testament, those are signs of God's disfavor. When the grain and the wine abound in the Old Testament, that's signs of God's favor and his blessings. So those are key concepts that show up over and over and over again, especially in the prophets, uh, that have to do with God's blessing or favor, or if they're taken away, the lack thereof. In this context, context they will be there uh, in abundance, especially in the millennial kingdom. Bring it on. All right, Revelation 19. All right, Revelation 19.1 does start, even though uh, my profound statement about the chronology of 18 after 17, Revelation 19, though, does start with after this. And so that's important for us to note. After the final destruction of the kingdom, after the the evil empire, not the Yankees, but the evil empire of Babylon has been uh, drowned in the sea and is no more, although the Dodgers, I think, are more the evil empire these days, signing every. Did you know they've spent more than one billion dollars on free agents this offseason? One billion? Seriously, I'm not like I'm not well, trying to be hyperbolic. Wow. Well, seven hundred of that was was Shohei, Shohei and so. then they just signed another guy for over three hundred million. Well, that's impressive. It's insane. How it's much money silly. do these guys make, man? I mean, just there's so much money in these with well, these uh, sports things. Yeah. 
sports things. I don't want to get all technical here, but that, I'm just impressed. Score goal unit baskets, <laughs> right? I'm just yeah. impressed that you spend that much money on one dude. Oh, it's crazy. It's great. Anyways, that, needless to say, Babylon's off the scene, and the the shift focus the the focus shifts the shift focuses <laughs> the focus shifts now to heaven and the response. And there are four hallelujahs. Though in your ESV, you're going to read and find three hallelujahs. There's actually four, um, but the uh, the first one here is this great multitude in heaven crying out. And who are the great multitude? Well, it's it's questionable, except um, chapter 7, verse 9, it does refer to the great multitude as the tribulation martyrs. So it's possible that this first group here are those that have died during the tribulation. And when they see the final destruction of Babylon, man, they are celebrating. They are rejoicing over this because this is the vindication that they were crying out to God saying, how long until you vindicate our deaths? And so it's possible that that's them. But I mentioned four hallelujahs. The first one is in verse one. The second one there is in verse three. And then you get a third. This time it's the 24 elders and the living creatures that are there that we read about earlier. Here it says, praise our God. Okay, that's hallelujah. Now, why did they translate it? Praise our God. Uh, th- this is a, a, a translation move by the the editors there. It's it's having to do with the, the original text there. But but it's essentially hallelujah. It's the same concept there. Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. The last hallelujah then, notice where it comes. It comes at the marriage supper of the lamb. I talked about it yesterday. You've been wondering, where's the church? Here we go, church. We are the bride. And that's important to note here because the bride is the one that the lamb is is coming to uh, to to join together with. And here in Revelation 19, they're going to have this marriage supper. And then it says, uh, blessed are those, verse 9, who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's not the church. The church is the bride. The bride doesn't get invited to her, her own wedding. So these are going to be other saints, either Old Testament saints or maybe some tribulation saints that are going to be there for this wedding feast that is probably going to take place there on the earth right as a precursor to the dawning of uh, the millennial kingdom there. What a cool idea. So let's let's unpack that a bit. Marriage supper of the lamb. So we're talking about a dinner. We can actually dinner. have food there, you think? Yes. This the is like, best. we're just celebrating. <laughs> I mean, really though? So heaven and food, you think that's what's going to happen? I, I think it's going to involve that. Yeah, I think it's, there's going to, we just talked about, right? Grain and wine in the Old Testament were, were harbingers of the blessing of God. Uh, anytime there, there was celebration, there was food involved, right? And we have done a good job as a church of, of cont- continuing that tradition. Hey, we're just looking forward to the future, bro. Right. So I, I do think that there's going to be that. I think it's, uh, you've talked about it not long ago. How good is God to give us taste buds that we can actually mm-hmm. enjoy our food? Yeah. So when we think about heaven, I, I think there's going to be the best of, of all of that is going to be there. So it's going to be more than feast. I mean, think about everything involved in a marriage party. I think all of those things, the frivolity, the mirth, all yeah. of that is going to be there. Uh, but I think food's going to be a big part of it. And man, it's going to cause us to go, God, you are so great for creating us to be able to enjoy this food. Yeah, what a fun idea to imagine the kind of celebration because we have great parties here on earth. You know, we right. celebrate big and have good drinks and food and things like that. I, what would that be like multiplied by 10 billion times 10 billion? Totally. I just can't imagine how cool that's going to be. I guess one of the challenges as a, as a man looking at this, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to think of myself as a bride. bride. Yeah. What do I do with that? Yeah, I, I think we need to be careful not to overly sexualize the imagery here. I think this is more about the intimacy and the uh, the union uh, and the the oneness between a husband and a wife. And I think that uh, the idea there is that which caused the greatest division between us and God, which is our sin, is no more. 
and uh, and the the um, the gospel there though, though as well. This is the the ultimate culmination of the gospel is this moment, uh, as the as Paul compares in Ephesians chapter five: husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Right. So this is that idea of some of have commentators have even drawn out the the old uh, practice of of a wedding during this time that there was the betrothal period. And then there was when the bride, when the groom went to go get the bride. And then there was the, the, the celebration, the feast and compared that to, to the different stages of church history, that the betrothal period was the church age. That's what we're living in right now. We have been betrothed to Christ that he has come and, and bought us. He, we are his, we belong to him as his bride right now. And then coming to get the bride being the rapture of the church. And then this being the, the, the consummation feast of when everything mm-hmm. is, is realized in that full celebration time together. So I, I get the discomfort, but I, I, I think we got to remove the, the physical intimacy side that we so often run to with that and think more of the relational side, which I think is, is the primary focus here. Awesome. Thanks for that. Is, is the, uh, are, are are the Jewish people part of this at all, or because you said this is the church, and I, I obviously agree with that? Yeah, where are God's people then? Well, I, they're here. I mean, obviously, yeah. Okay, so they're part of this, right? Verse nine: Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so, so they're not the bride, though. They're not the bride. And it, the question here is: Are what about the living? Are, are these just the deceased? Are these the living? I think these are the the saints that have already died. I think these are the again Old Testament believers. These are not those that are about to inhabit the millennial kingdom. I think these are the 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 saints that have gone on before. So Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and Moses and Noah and all that. I think they're going to be here celebrating as well, uh, but they're not the bride. There, There is a distinction there. Interesting. Where can we read more about this? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, get your study Bibles. Get study Bibles. Uh, MacArthur's volume on Revelation is helpful. Uh, John Walvard has a book on uh, Revelation. Is that how you say that? Uh, Walvard. I always wondered how to say his last name. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's spelled funny when you see his name. W a l v o o r d. Yeah, yeah. Walvard. Yeah, he was one of the the presidents of Dallas Seminary back in in the day when it was um, better. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's written some good stuff on it. Uh, yeah, Bible.org might have some resources on there. Just be careful anytime that that you're going to pages like that because there may be others on there that that uh, we can't vet every single resource that's on a page like that. There's a lot on there. So good counsel. Um, yeah, but this is cool. I I often think of it. Did you ever see the movie Hook? Oh yeah. Do you remember? Favorites. You remember that when they're all sitting down and. And all the lost boys are eating and Peter can't see what they're eating. And he's oh, like, yeah. And then he picks it up and he throws it. And the one kid's like, you're doing it, Peter. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know why. I just think of like the marriage supper of the lamb being this celebration where everybody's With invisible food? Yeah. I would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I want real food. Thank you very much. You're doing it, Noah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, the book ends uh, with a, a stark. Chapter or, does. The chapter ends rather with a stark uh, picture of Christ. Very unlike any other picture. This is not going to be in your local Hobby Lobby. There are no precious moments of Jesus like this. Let's invent it. That'd be cool. AI do it. AI could do this. Yeah. In fact, after this, I'm I'm going to do that just to see uh, what it comes up with. Uh, yeah, Revelation 19. You've got Jesus coming back as as the judge. That's what this depicts. Uh, he is. Uh, his eyes are a flame of fire. His robe is dipped in blood. Um, he has this name written on his his himself that no one knows but him. He's called the Word of God. That's one of the reasons why we know this is Jesus. He's also got a title that's uh, written on his thigh, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's going to tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. But church, we're still here. We're still here. And you might go, what? We are. We're still here. Uh, If you look at verse 
14, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, following him on white horses. It's my understanding. That's us. That's the church. We're coming behind him. He's the the general. He's the conquering king. He's the one that's going out. Uh, but we get to be there with him. And uh, and we're not firing any shots. Uh, he's going to be the one that's going to handle everything. But this is him coming to, to deal the final blow. So uh, I've thought of a, a few questions. I'm sure other people have considered this too. The idea or the picture of warfare in John's day is different than picture of warfare in our day. So do you think Jesus is going to be actually riding a white horse? Is it, I mean, is it going to be a white Cadillac today? Oh, do you think that the, is, is this, as you were saying earlier, is this John trying his best to say, okay, it's like Jesus is riding a horse or he is riding a horse because we're looking at first century warfare today. Not going to look the same. Or if you were to come back next week, it'd be like, okay, well, this is different now. Right. Unless it's not. I mean, unless the, the, he could, because the, the power is not in the technology, right? One of the reasons why this wouldn't fly today is if you send horses out in the middle of the Russian-Ukraine war, yeah. they're obliterated. So the, the, the power is not in the weapon. It's not in the vehicle. It's in the one on the horse. In sure. fact, in, in the language that's used here, uh, even in the rest of this, the, the kings in the, of the earth and their armies gather to make war against him. Now, I've, I've often used the analogy like, hey, as uncomfortable as this is, the United States is going to be there too, right? Like we're not Israel. And so if the United States is still standing, they're going to be gathered against him as well. And I've, I've said it this way. Every nuke known to mankind is going to be pointed at, at Jerusalem, at, at God's people. Um, and they're going to think we've got this. This is no, no contest. But the no contest is Jesus comes back and there's not even a shot fired. My understanding as I read the text mm-hmm. that immediately yeah. the, the leaders are gone. No contest. And everybody else is, is vanquished right there. Right. Um, so... And, and it makes sense that way because those that are coming are, are immortal at this point. And so nobody's going to die on the side of Jesus because it's, it's a bad fight. Yeah. So uh, this is, I, I, I think it could literally be him coming on this steed and it would be such a majestic image that I think every mouth will be stopped in, in awe of seeing him appear that way. Yeah, that'd be cool. I have no objection to that. Just wondering out of curiosity, like, okay, different warfare tactics. Is that going to be a thing? Is it going to come in a car? You know, I don't know. Right. That makes sense. I'd like him better on a horse anyway. Yeah. 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 Crazy stuff. And again, we get to be there and we get to be on the, the winning side of this, right? I mean, think about, I, I joked about the Dodgers earlier, but if you're a Dodger fan, man, you're, you're feeling pretty good right now. You just signed the best baseball player on the planet, arguably for 10 years. Yeah. And he's, he's going to come out and play for your team. So if you're a Dodger fan, you're like, man, this is awesome. Think about it, man. We forget the, the, the Dodgers and the best baseball player. We have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we get to, to be on behind him. Infinite contract. Right. Yeah, we get to Never be behind ending. him. Yep. So that should encourage you today, no matter what you're facing. And uh, we hope and pray that you'll join us again tomorrow and uh, find out more as we talk more about chapter 20, the thousand years. We're going to get into that a little bit tomorrow, as well as continue in Zechariah. So uh, tune in tomorrow and catch us again. Hashtag Jesus bats a thousand. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm